Well, hello and welcome to another episode of the New Ground Life and Leadership Podcast, here to help you thrive as a follower of Jesus wherever you are and in whatever you're going through. I'm your host, Jez Field, and in today's episode, I sat down with a good friend of mine, Tom Head, to discuss church among and that reaches working class people, as well as a crisis of masculinity as he sees it. I should say that today's episode was inspired by an email I received from one of you, our wonderful listeners, Andy Cheeseman, shout out to you, part of New Community Church in Sidcup. He got in touch a while ago to say that he'd recently listened to the episode with Owen Hilton discussing the black experience in a majority white church and said how much of it resonated with him as a working class white man in church and suggested we did a podcast looking at that very subject. Well, this conversation is the fruit of that email, so thanks for getting in touch. little nod there to anybody who wants to suggest future guest ideas. I am listening. We are on this journey together to learn how to be the church in an age like this. So please do get in touch. You can get hold of me on my email address, podcast at newgroundchurches.org. I'd love to hear from you. I hope you enjoy the conversation. Andy in Sidcup, I hope you're keeping well and I hope you enjoy this conversation too. God bless. Tom, hello. Hello. How are hello. You doing? <laughs> Great to have you with us. Tom, before we dive into the, the podcast, I have to say I did I had a conversation with Steph Liston recently and um, we learned that he's a boxer. Nice. I know you're a boxer. Yes. Um, so we're trying to arrange a fight. Yeah, I work out who do you think would win between you and Steph Liston? Yeah, well, you're, you're presuming that we haven't already had that fight, you know. <laughs> so, so you know, you've seen that scene, I think it's the end of Rocky Three or whatever, where where Apollo Creed and Rocky get in the ring behind closed doors. Well, that was me and Steph, you know, we've <laughs> done that. And just to say, he, he was the one wearing the crop top, you know. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, I think he said that you would win. Which I thought was very kind of him. And probably inaccurate. But <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I'd win if I caught him early on, but he'd never, I'd never catch him after that, I think. Yeah, well, I'm hoping we can turn this podcast into a fight-arranging meet. So we're going to start uh, opening a PayPal account, people to put bets on between okay. Steph and Tom. Two ministry heavyweights going in the <laughs> ring as featherweight. <laughs> featherweight, what's lighter than a feather? Um, <laughs> boxers. <laughs> Yes. Uh, well, Tom is great. I'm really excited to have you with us. Everyone speaks so highly of you, Tom. Your wisdom is so just down to earth and yet profound at the same time. And so I'm looking forward to all the juicy nuggets of wise gold you're going to throw out in the next however long we speak for. All right. No pressure. I'm looking forward to hearing myself. Really. <laughs> That's great. Uh, well, Tom, as we get into it, why don't you just, um, I mean, it's been a, probably the weirdest year uh, of ministry you could have had why don't you tell us something either about yourself or leadership you've learnt during this season uh I, I don't know about learn it anew but it kind of confirmed to me that I really am rubbish with computers um, <laughs> that that's that's probably been the, the amount of time if I had a pound for every time someone had said you're on mute or something like that I'm um, I've not not good with computers. I've managed, and it's been a steep learning curve, but not in, enjoying. So we, we're getting back together now, face to face meeting, and, and I can't tell you the relief of that because uh, because God doesn't speak over Zoom. I, I, he doesn't speak to me. He, he just 
you know, I don't know if they've got a bad connection up there or what, but <laughs> prophetically I struggle on Zoom and stuff. So actually getting back with people, I'm, I'm really enjoying that. And I, I guess I've learned that. I've learned that I'm much better face-to-face than I am through the internet. Yeah, yeah. Well, you, I mean, I guess the, coming from the background you uh, have come from, you weren't expected to be good with computers in your, the majority, the majority day job you've had the majority of your life. Why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, what you did prior to leading the church in East End and how that came about? Yeah, well, I was uh, I was a, a roofer for, for many years. I worked on, on building sites for the best part of 25 years. Naughty boy at school, le- left with literally no formal education. Um, and then my parents said, look, you, you've got to get a trade. You know, you, you've got to do something useful. Um, and, and so I did. I, 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 uh, that was good advice. Um, I went and, and got a trade. I, I, I learned carpentry and joinery. I went to college in, in, in Brighton doing that. Um, and it was, it was while I was on that course, uh, working on building sites, that I met a geezer who was, who, who was, who was a Christian. He, he said he was a Christian, but he didn't look like one. And that was the bit that kind of intrigued me because he, I had this picture of what a Christian was like, but he was, he was a big lump and he was, you know, just looked like everyone else. But he loved Jesus. And, and he, I was impressed with his courage standing up in front of a load of young builders and, and saying that he went to church and he read the Bible. And we were taking the mickey out of him, something rotten, but there was, there was something very genuine that, I've got, to, to this day, I can't really remember what he said, but I just remember his courage. And, and he invited me to church and I was saying, oh, I don't need to go to church. And so he goes, well, what are you doing with your life? And I thought, oh, he's got me. <laughs> I don't know. You know, I'm just doing everything that my mates are, are, are telling me to do. And he says, well, you need to come, come along yourself and find out, didn't you? And I thought, yep, yeah, yeah uh, he's got me. And I remember going to church with him. I had to have a couple of beers before I went. I was saying, please, please don't tell anyone I've come to church. I was so embarrassed, but but there was this irresistible drawing of God. I look back now and 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 then I went went to church and, and met some really nice people. And um, you know, it, very different to anything I'd been to before. When I was younger, my parents sent me to Sunday school. Um uh, with 10p uh, so me and my brother used to go to the local Methodist Sunday school that was to get us out of the house and and so my understanding of Jesus was was based on I mean, it was basically Zacchaeus up a tree in Noah's Ark um, for a few years when I went to, to Sunday school because my parents just wanted to lay in I think um, but when I started reading the Bible and I started coming to church and, and I was so hungry, honestly, because I was so sick of the way I was living before. It, was, it wasn't, uh, there was no, um, I don't miss any of it at all. You know, there, there was no, I, I turned my back on it. It was, it was so dead. It, there was no appeal. And, and then when I started to get to know Jesus, that he was more than just these cartoon characters with skipping lambs and stuff, but there was this earthy, real person that gathered around him normal people, uh, I, I just, I was hooked, you know, and, and it, I kind of, the more I've got to know Jesus, the more and more impressed I've got. Like you get a new phone or a new car or whatever, you, you, 
you know, a couple of weeks, you're a bit bored. You've tried every button and everything. But with Jesus, it's just this eternal kind of wonder of this person. And you keep getting these different layers. And, and, and you know, I, I, I think I pray and I read my Bible. Mm. Uh, that's, that's pretty much... It's pretty much it, you know. Well, I, I mean, this is, I'm really excited to get your thoughts on, on church and ministry. Um, there's a whole swat, a whole kind of group of society that's very rarely seen dead in a church. Yeah. And you, you seem to kind of break the mold in the sense that you represent that community or you're from that community. Yeah. And so hearing from you, guess how you planted the church that you did in the East End and what are some of the lessons you've learned about reaching people in in that part of the country um, start start with uh, the question i guess of how how did you come to plant the church after being a roofer for 25 years yeah so so um i i got i got born again in brighton that was that was where i was uh, and then um i i just got very excited by god very quickly got excited by church i volunteered for everything uh, and and it seemed that the keen ones would go and plant churches. So there was there was a, a rallying call to plant a church along the coast, and and I put my hand up and says, "Yeah, go on, I'm going." I look around, and there's only about forty people going. But I thought, "Oh, okay, we can do this." And 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 I moved uh, a, 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 along the coast and got involved in church planting, um, and 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 very quickly recognised that, you know coming from a big established church where I've got such a good grounding and such, you know, immediate relationships and stuff into a church plant situation where if I didn't turn up, things didn't get done and I was missed in a big church. I could, I could hide a bit. Um, uh, it, it was, it was, a, it was a strange one. There, there was some, a lot of positive stuff. There was, there was some difficult things, but some of the difficult things meant that, uh, by default, I became one of the longest standing members of that church. So I, I got opportunities to to lead that I possibly wouldn't have had had it not been more tricky. I got opportunity to to to, to give my testimony. I got, got wheeled out regularly at baptisms to give my testimony about you know um, what Jesus had done for me. Um, and and but but all the while, th- there's this sense of I've only got one life. We've just got one life. Really want to make it count, you know? I, I remember a, a guy, bit of an aside, but I, re, I remember a guy that I was uh, working for. He was a boss in this roofing firm. And he goes, what do you want to go to London for? You know, like he's, he, he was involved in church and, and stuff. And he kept going on and on. He goes, oh, because Rachel was pregnant with my, my, my first, you know, with Alfie, my, my son. And uh, he's saying, why are you going up there? You know, it's dangerous and, you know, it's irresponsible. Why you want to go up? And in the end, I just go, because I don't want them to end up like your kids. You know, like, because they were, seriously, they were, all they used to do was hang out and around a phone box and get up to no good in, in, their, in the village where they were. were and, and, I, and I just got fed up. And, and some of the families I met in, in the city actually were a lot more rounded and a lot more earthed than, um, than you'd imagine, actually. And that was, that was, yeah, you mentioned, though, you touched on something there. Have you you found it, obviously, before moving to London, but have you found there to be a bit of um, a snobbishness or an, a kind of a prejudice attitude towards the East End or towards... you know, people, have, people have this view of kind of East End working class London, 
as like that guy said, like dangerous, yeah. beyond the pale, yeah. unreachable, really hard, really difficult, as if to say we should all just try to seek out the suburbs and the beautiful yeah. English countryside villages. That's what Jesus wants for us, isn't it? To hide from places yeah. of difficulty. What are yeah. some of the defining characteristics then, would you say, that um, either you recognised before getting there or you, that really made you click when you got there? I think there's an honesty. So my discipleship process was my, my walk with God, going to church on Sunday, and then it was shoulder to shoulder with, with roofers, with builders. You know, that was my, my upbringing. And, and what I learned in that situation was, was brutal honesty and a spade to spade. And, you know, it's not very, very little pretense. And, and I think looking back, my, my experience of church has, has been... And, and when I say working class and, and, and middle class, sometimes barriers go up. So I'm, I'm talking in huge generalizations, but I, 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 for communication purposes, I will define myself as, as a working class man in a largely middle class kind of church uh, environment. And, and I found that whereas I had the honesty on the building site, actually I learned to be polite in, in a church setting, which meant that, I uh, was more cautious about what I said. Um, and I, I, I found that people often wanting to be more polite didn't say what they meant. And, and, and so that, that became, I've had a few instances over the years where, where people have said stuff um, and they said it, what they really want to say, they've couched it so politely that I didn't even know what they were talking about. <laughs> And and it and it feels it feels disingenuous and it feels like they're being two faced and mm. and I know they're not, uh, but but there is that if you if you was to ask this fella laying tiles on the roof next to me what do you think about this they would answer you, generally speaking and then you knew where you stood and you might not like it I appreciated the honesty, um, and and knew where I stood and and I guess uh, the East End. Now, the East End is so mixed and there's huge gentrification of, of areas as well. But generally speaking, it's all out there, you know. We, we, we haven't got the, the luxury of pulling up your driveway, shutting the net curtains and having your argument in hushed tones. You know what I mean? It's, it's all out there. I've had, you go down the street and you will see arguments in the street. I've, I've had people having huge conversations or arguments from the landing on the flats to the pavement and that because they ain't got the luxury of, of, of space and privacy. So, so life is lived more cheek by jowl, you know, um, and, and it means it, there's obvious disadvantages to that because you, you, you're kind of never alone. You know, the nearest I get to being on my on my own is, is, putting my earphones in and walking down the canal. But even then you're surrounded by people. So, so it's not like I can just walk up the downs or something like, uh, like I used to. Um, but, but what it does mean is that you're, you, you face more stuff. So you're, you're shaped more quicker. Like, like our kids, you know, like the stuff that we faced on a school run is, is stuff that we could deal with there and then. You know, in terms of, you know, uh, prostitutes or uh, um, 
you know, drugs and stuff like that. Like, like, like my, my kids could recognise the smell of weed from a very early age and and knew who the junkies were and 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 uh, oh, is he waiting for some gear, Dad? Or or or, or uh, you know, we've had there was once we was doing a school run and there was a shootout and and the the, the, the police sort of says I'm thinking, oh, I'm going to have to go down that road now, you know, and and uh, but the, but the, it's not always that dramatic, but there are those dramatic moments. And, and they've been opportunities to, to train my kids. They haven't learned about that through telly or the school playground. That's been with dad, with mum on the school run, and we've been able to talk about those, those sort of things. Well, I, I mean, I, you know, a number of people, I'm sure, listening would really relate to that observation of church. And there's a fine line between politeness and deception or being slightly two-faced and you know the reasons for politeness might come from a good place you or you might be able to say I don't want to offend but often it comes from a place of fear that I don't want people to think badly of me so I'll be polite or I won't say the whole truth and nothing but the truth and so um what how I mean in in being pastor of a church presumably you're 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 always trying to stand in that intersection between different communities in the church you know people from different backgrounds trying to help them understand and relate to another um, yeah. what are some of the ways that you've helped you what, what you described as the the middle class polite speak um yes. kind of learn to because learn to speak a little bit more uh simply and honestly rather than couching their truth in lots of you know yeah. qu- questions and polite comments and remarks what are some of the ways that you've helped them do that but then equally what's some of the ways that you've helped the working class to kind of understand yeah. oh they don't really mean this they mean that and you have to yeah, really kind of without them feeling like they've got to become middle class well i so appreciate in the way that you talk about jesus as you do you put him in his proper context and recognize oh he was a builder he's a yeah. builder's son you know and, and i think that sometimes you can go you can go to church and especially as a leader of the church, if you are entirely comfortable with the culture of the church, then the church is your culture. And, and, and so for, for someone to come into that culture, it, it, it's, it's a huge shock. It's a, it's, a, it's a literal culture shock coming in. And, and it, it, it's, it's, kind of, it's kind of the equivalent of like, like a, a nice, polite church pastor walking into the roughest pub in 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 town or uh, or going into a betting shop or a tattoo parlor or a boxing club or something like that it's it's that kind of extreme the other other way around you know uh and and so there's i think there's got to be a, a deliberate um and, and don't get me wrong we're doing that but we are reaching a, a right cross section so it's not you know everyone's a pearly king or queen when you come on a Sunday. There's, there's a mixture of, uh, you know, cultures and races and uh, age groups and, and, and social classes as well. But we have unapologetically gone for, for those that we've seen as unrepresented. Mm. That's a beautiful like, illustration, really helpful, because mm. as someone who's not familiar with um, going to tattoo par- parlours or betting shops, but you're right, like we've all had that experience of walking into a pub where we're like, I don't belong here. Yeah. And actually the church is this fascinating 
community that it's a family that so when you turn up it should feel like us oh, my family like you shouldn't yeah. feel like you're walking into a stranger's house every time you go but at the same yeah. time it should never feel so comfortable that you think oh that's my chair or that's my seat or yeah. those are my slippers or this is my whatever that we're a family that's constantly mm-hmm. saying oh, we're not actually here for ourselves we're here for others aren't we and so we yeah. turn up with a different frame in mind so but just that illustration i find find really helpful and so what are some of the ways that you've you've kind of tried to intentionally make sure that you have not tried to you've a done church in such a way that appeals to people whom a lot of churches it wouldn't appeal to but then b try to make sure that they don't feel they've got to squeeze into some middle class polite mold you know that they're allowed to speak their mind they haven't got to be polite all of those things that you describe um what's some of the was it strategic or is this fairly intuitive for you uh I think, but being honest with you, the sheer fact I am who I am gives people permission. Oh, so people like that can lead, you know, people like that can can speak in a microphone. I think that that has been um, probably an easier journey. I think that we're very, very deliberate in welcoming guests. We we honour the fact that takes a lot of bottle to come through those doors the first time and 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 also every other week at least we we're, we're saying look you come in here for the first time you look around and you presume everyone's all right listen we're all works in progress god is is you know we, but by the grace of god we're standing here and and um you know don't presume, get to know people get to know their stories you know like like ask people how did you start coming because there's some blinding stories about God's incredible mm. grace changing people. And, but when, when people turn up on Sunday and everyone's, you know, working class, whatever, they're, they're generally mm. quite polite on a Sunday and, and well behaved. So we, we really, so we, we will have a, between the worship time and the, and the preach, we have a, a break so people can go and have a wee or a fag or something, and then they can come back in and then, you know, and an opportunity to say hello to people. Mm. Um, so that kind of stuff, and and we, we j- just want to totally get away from the fact that people presuming that the people at the front are all together, you know, um, you know, I'm not airing my dirty laundry every single week, but there are moments when I'll share my struggles, or uh, um, you know, it's not unusual for people to just to try and drop the facade, you know. So yeah, yeah, people, yeah. And and I and I think that's probably one of the things just kind of encouraging humility to learn from one another because there is always something to learn from one another. Um, and, and for, for middle-class people that actually, that's quite a big deal to, to uh, have the humility to recognize that you're going to learn something from a working class person. Cause there's this perception that um, failure at an academic level equals thick uh you know and and actually what you find is 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 people from from working class backgrounds from all kind of backgrounds they have faced stuff in life that you can't learn out of a book you know it's it's actually there's uh and, and so it's, it's kind of encouraging the humility that but yeah, you, you might know the Bible references better than this person. You might be able to read, but, you know, actually this English is the second language for this person. Or I reckon about 60 percent of the people I work with on the building site would struggle to read. That, that's, that's the truth of it. So, so putting a paperback in someone's hand doesn't necessarily cut it. 
um, but the the relational um, doing life side side by side is is, is massively under, underrated. I think mm. you know. Um, yeah, it seems quite a middle. Maybe I've never really thought of it as middle yeah, class, yeah. but it seems quite a middle class way of discipling someone. Welcome to church. I'm glad you're a Christian. Read this book. Mm. <laughs> this will really help. You think. Well, Jesus didn't do that. <laughs> so you instantly putting on someone to become a Christian means you need to read this. Now, I mean, fair enough, in Jesus' society, studying the Torah or the scrolls, whatever, was quite a common part of life. So there is the challenge of how you get Bible into people yeah. and truth yeah. into people who don't read. Yeah. Um, you know, people often say, well, there's audio books. You can listen to audio books. But even what you mm. just said there, that's mm. a lot more about living life alongside one another yeah. and and allowing things to take years rather than weeks and days. And, and what we're after is, is we want to, we want followers of Jesus. We want people that go and follow in Jesus' footsteps. And, and that is so much more inclusive than you've got to look like this. You've got to be at this educational standard. You know, it, it's like, so, so now you're a, a disciple of Jesus. Now a follower of Jesus could be what right back there. Uh, but, but you don't know the, the family background they've had. You don't know the struggles that they've had, the, the prejudices that they've faced or the, or the difficulties in life. Um, some of the people in their church, you look at them and and, and you see some of their behaviours and you think, oh, my goodness, you, you know, seriously, that's, that's awful. But if you knew where they'd come from, that's a massive kind of step forward, you know, like... Uh, uh, couple of examples you know like, like these these people there's there's some, some guys that come to the church that pretty violent backgrounds you know like really aggressive there's, there's one fella particularly i remember going to uh, uh used to meet up with him at the at the boxing club used to do a bible study with him at the boxing club on a thursday and we used to turn up there and, and we was up there once and there was this conversation on the phone and, and the, apparently what had happened was this guy had split up with his girlfriend, but the boy was still coming up to the boxing club and he was threatening, why are you letting the boy come? And I'm coming up there with a shooter and, and all you know, right dark stuff. And, and the guy's, my mate's on the phone saying, listen, you know, he says, I'm, I'm praying for you, mate. He goes, listen, calm down. He says, I'm praying for your soul. I'm praying Jesus will, will, you know, forgive you and calm you down. But I'm praying for you. And, 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 and he, he, you know, he, he got off the phone and sort of says, oh, sorry, you know, this is what's happened. And, and I told him I'm praying for him and I want, you know, Jesus to help him in that. Of course, if he comes up here, I'll have to break his jaw. But there was this, <laughs> you know, but there was this sense. And you think, oh, goodness me, breaking jaws. But... From where he was, where he started to where he is now, it's wonderful, you know. And and then I think of a, a girl in a, a church who, who she chats and chats and chats and chats, right? And and it's exhausting sometimes talking to her because she just talks in there. And and uh, but when you know where she's come from, she was she was kept prisoner by a abusive husband and and all manner of abuse took place, you know, um, to, to this girl, just awful, awful stuff. And when she finally escaped after being shot, after being in a fire, after this terrible violence and abuse, she she's free and she's no longer having to keep quiet and keep in a corner. She's got this opportunity to express herself from there. And, and yeah, there's, there's a time to sort of shape it, but, 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 
if you look at her now, you think, oh, it's this talkative woman that just won't shut up. But if you look at the beautiful kind of process of this woman being shaped by God, now free, I, I remember being at a, I remember being at a new ground conference thing and we took her down there and she was talking and talking. She's in this 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 tent with loads of people and and this couple in front turned around and asked her to shush because she's you know, shh, shh, please, please. And and you just kind of want to say, if you only know, if you know what she, the, the joy that she's got now in this this thing, and 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 actually there was this beautiful moment where Jesus met with her prophetically in that that meeting, and she was significantly healed. So it's like wow. Jesus wanted her there, even if she was distracting through other people. <laughs> and um, but but is what well, you're kind of looking at the direction of travel rather than what do they look like now? You know where have they started. And every decision that they're making from now on, mm-hmm. are they walking towards Jesus or away from Jesus? And, and, and no matter if you're a Oxford graduate or, you know, a, a, a gutter dwelling junkie, if the next step you take is towards Jesus, that makes you a follower of Jesus. And, and that gives that gives hope, you know, that gives that gives opportunity for the next step and the next step. So that outwardly it might not look the same. But there is this direction of travel that is God honouring, you know. Mm, that's beautiful. And yeah. I say, you know, I've often felt like we in the church, you know, you mentioned it in Brighton when people used to get you up to share your testimony. We in the church love a good testimony. It's we true. love putting testimonies on the stage. We love and we love talking about life transformation, coming out of your life changed by God. And there's obviously a like truth. Jesus does change lives. But the danger of phrasing it like that is we sell the christian life as a product of transformation like a good cleanup like a good bottle of detergent or whatever that can make your life sparkling new again whereas actually as you just said the christian life isn't about i was this and now i'm this i mean (laughs) of course john newton famously i was blind but now i see there's an inner transformation where you can say i was blind but now i'm see but john newton was still gambling and still dealing in slaves for much of his christian life and so he was like i'm I'm saved yeah but john you're still a bit of a wretch you're still a naughty boy and you've still got a lot to learn and there is a a temptation and a danger in us to say you know almost to want to present um, postcard images of ourselves to the world on tableaus and we're not we're we're living beings who change and have good days and bad days and good weeks and bad weeks and that's something I, i suppose i do appreciate um you you know Oh, I guess I wouldn't often think in terms of working class, but when you meet someone who's got that kind of organic, like authentic, rugged, salt of the earthness, you think they don't they don't seem to judge you on particular moments. They they seem to have the ability to go, oh, he's just having a bad day. Whereas, sure. whereas often as a middle class man or as middle class people, you do worry, oh no, one bad day, people will write me off forever. Um, and yeah. there seems to be a lot less forgiveness in that community or yeah. that that way of seeing the world. Mm. And that's something that oh, I love that phrase about you know direction of travel uh, you yeah. say some more about that and any other stories that you've got that come to mind about that i, I, I think i think that's right I, I guess that you know if if my mate at the boxing club backslides he breaks someone's jaw if uh you know if someone who works in a, in a, a more you know in a, in a middle class you know a teacher or something you know maybe he'll steal a pen you know if he's back so i'm that's i'm exaggerating but you know it's it's got bigger implications but it, there's still 
still sing. You know what I mean? It's still, and and, and I think the, the difficulty comes when when middle class values get mixed up with Christian values, uh, and you, you know, uh, there's this so so niceness becomes the the qualification for Christianity mm. rather than mm. rather than actually the, the 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 biblical kind of you know things. And, I, and, I, and I, you know, I've seen it. I remember once, uh, I can't remember if I was, I don't think I was in the meeting, but I listened to it. And, and the guy, who was a brilliant preacher. You, you know, I'm not knocking him at all. I've, I've learned a lot. But but I remember he stood up once and he, he talked about, okay, let's find out who's in the room. What what newspapers do people do people um, read? And then it sort of went from the Times and Telegraph down, you know, and all the way down, and, and then they started getting down to the Daily Mail, and there was always around the room and all this kind of stuff. Jeez, when I when I grew up, my mum and I thought my mum and dad were posh because they read the Daily Mail, because I went downstairs and read the Sun with my granddad sort of thing. You know, like you lived in the flat below us, and 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 it. And I'm not saying that it's a better newspaper. That's not my argument, but it was that presumption that. Mm. Oh, this is what we all think, isn't it? And so, so it, had I been kind of less secure in the skin that Jesus has put me in, uh, I could have thought, oh, okay, I've got to keep my mouth shut. I know that I, you know, oh, I, I better not tell people that. I, be, I better start hiding that kind of thing, you know. And and but the fact is that the sun and the mirror have got three times the kind of what's the word distribution and the times mm. and the telegraph put together you know what i mean so so there's this this if we're not careful there's these these rafts of society that are quickly written off mm. because you know yeah they, they're just quickly written off and and there's things like uh like immigration as much different um implications for a builder than it does say for a teacher you know or a, a you know management something you know like, so so and so so often i would hear uh, uh leaders and that say you know immigration is such a blessing you know we get all these cultures coming in opportunity to share the gospel which i absolutely agree with but the implications of this influx of Romanians coming in has got a massive impact on on me as a roofer who's you know they're they're living ten to a room you know undercutting my prices and me as the sole breadwinner with five kids you know it's got huge implications for me but okay so they're not taking the English teaching jobs but they are taking my jobs you know and and it's that presumption that we all think this is a great thing yeah I, I mean I, I do think it's a great thing, but but you know what I mean. It's got different implications. I think. And I think they certainly. I mean, people say this often, don't they? But that's what we saw in the Brexit vote and Trump, the rise of Trump. You know, the middle classes talk about those things as being evil and bad decisions, and yet you know, it also people say in the same breath, yeah, but it was a chance for the the common man to vote against the elite establishment who thought they were speaking on behalf of the country. Turns out they weren't. They weren't even representing half of the country with the Brexit referendum. And I, I and I'm I'm, I'm I'm blagging it a little bit, but but I think there's more people that don't vote at all 
than do for a single party. Do you know what I mean? So, so it's, it's like a, there's, there's, there's this, even the presumption that you vote, you know, these political kind of, and again, I'm not saying it's right or wrong, but it's, but the, there's these presumptions that this is what we all think. This is the Christian way of thinking. Yeah. yeah. I, I was also interested as well how um, things like the sexual revolution has affected family life in the country um, to the point that you'd have said 30, 30 years ago in the country, it would have been commonplace, particularly in churches, it would have been commonplace for most most couples to be married, most kids to have mum and dad living together. And now that's not the case. How have you as a pastor just kind of noticed the 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 tide turn or the the tilt shift towards now most people in this church are divorced once or twice or most kids in this church don't have both mum and dad living at home is mm. that something that you've noticed has changed over the years and what are some of the ways that you think the church has had to adapt to just acknowledge what people talk about these days there are different types of family what are some of your reflections on all of that that's a tricky yeah this I'm going to get you in trouble now. No, nah, well, that's <laughs> nothing new, Jesus. That's, that's, that's all right. Um, I, I think that, um, I, if I'm honest with you, I think that the emasculating of men has been one of the, the biggest kind of byproducts of it. You've almost got to be apologetic now for being a, a man's man. You know, you, you, as a bloke, you've got to be, I don't know, you've, you've got to be well-groomed, but you not use too much product. You've got to be able to change your baby's nappy and change your car tire. You know, you, you've got to be a cordon bleu chef. And, you, you know, there's these, these, these standards of, of masculinity that, that just, it's impossible. You can't, you can't, uh, you can't please everyone, you know? And, and I, I think that, the undermining of the importance of men has, has, has been really seriously damaging, you know, like, and, and, and don't get me wrong, I'm not saying that everything was perfect and I'm not advocating that we go for back to the 1950s kind of housewife model at all. I'm really not. I think there's been some really positive things in terms of uh, empowering women to, to, to be who, who God's called them to be, but I think that what's happened is more and more blokes are taking a back step and, and not wanting to offend and not wanting to um, upset unnecessarily. And, and I think they're certainly in church, certainly in church. I think that there, there's, uh, I just think that the guys are frightened to say that they're really, really responsible for for the health of a family, for the health of the kids, uh, for the health of... I mean, you show me a society that's failing. You show me poverty. You show me, uh, you know, uh, a whole manner of, of social injustice, and I'll show you a society where, where men are not taking their responsibility. They're, they're, mm. they're just not. They're, they're not taking responsibility for their kids. They're, but, but I think that's the beautiful opportunity for us as the church is to be that family you know and 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 you've got i'm forever having to apologize for things i say like that's politically incorrect or whatever um but 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 our heart as a church is is to put the lonely in families is is to we, we we our problem is not sort of 
women that are able and strong. Our problem is is guys that are passive and and you know just oh, well whatever you say, dear, or, or or you know just like well someone else is doing it. That that's a bigger problem than than anything else. And so so, but we as as the church have got an opportunity to be certainly as men in the church to be fathers to the fatherless. Um, and, you know, statistically across church I, I, in, in the UK, I think it's, it, there are two women to every one, one man in church. Mm. Um, and, 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 and that means that the, the, the women are taking more and more sort of leading roles just because mm. they've got to, because blokes are not standing up and, and, and taking on the responsibility. Mm. Uh, um, and, and, you know, you get the idiots like Harvey Weinstein and stuff like that, and the, the, the bullying and the, the abuse of power, Sarah Everard and all that, that, all that kind of stuff. But, but more pervasive is that, that, that sort of passive kind of, uh, yeah, well, you know, mm-hmm. I think we've got the we've got the two the two headed problems, I guess, of toxic masculinity on the one hand and absent masculinity on the other hand. Yes. And often it seems the society's response to toxic masculinity is to tell people to stop it and start behaving nicer and better. <laughs> to which a lot of men go, well, I won't bother doing anything then, you know. And so they just overswing the other way, and um, and we have. Yeah, and it's a really difficult conversation to have because, you know, I talked to my friend Andrew Bunt and I think really helpfully points out we mustn't define masculinity around in ways that the Bible doesn't. Yeah. You know, I'm a man because I have a penis. Let's just stay there. I mean, yeah, our society's yeah. even confused sure. about that, sure. dare I say it. But I yeah. think, um, so I do, I hear Andrew's comment, but then yeah. I do also resonate with the kind of lived experience of, yeah, but a lot of men are, are looking for just a quite a clear rallying cry and a rallying call. Yeah. Uh, you don't need to perhaps couch it in terms of men do this, men do that. No, but no. men, well, there is a danger that the church. Uh, do you, uh, let me perhaps ask it this way: Do you think that the church, by its very nature, is more feminine than masculine, and will always appeal to more to women more than men by the way that it's set up, or do you think that's actually a part of the social construction of church, the way that we've made church into something like that? Um, I'm not sure I, I fully understand your question, but I, I, I think what, one of the things, um, but blokes, are, we're not fighting wars at the moment, you know, like, like so, so we're not, there's not a hill to take or a, a damsel to rescue, you know, except on Xbox. That's, that's, that's it. So, so, so men are not being asked to, to take ground, you know, and, and it, it, it's like, uh, so I think within churches, we, we've got to, I, I think men coming to church, they want it to be purposeful. Okay. It's, it, it's, um, it, it's for, for a, a woman, generally speaking, to come to church, that the whole kind of relational family vibe is, uh, you know that's an end in itself. Important enough, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But but if you're asking a guy to come to church, you you look, if I'm asking my builders mates to, to come to church, I, I want them not just to. There is a sense of be, becoming part of the family because there is such a broken society, and that is that is a draw. But that's not a keep. You know, that's that's like a. There's this. Okay, right. You live on that estate. 
you need to start winning that estate for Jesus. You know, you need to start praying for, for, for those people. That, those geezers at work, you need to start bringing them. You need to start, you know, so the, 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 there's that sense of this is challenge. You know, like the guys, it's, it's been explained to me. And, and just to say, listen, I listened to Andrew Bunce, one of these. That was the first one I, I listened to. Blinding. Absolutely. So helpful. So, so balanced and so good for people like myself to hear those those sort of things. He's 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 so clever and all, isn't he? <laughs> but it's it's really genuinely helpful. So I'm not I'm not knocking any of that. I'm not in opposition to that. But I will push back and say, yeah, but but blokes are are the are the problem here. Blokes are the problem. Men, men lead. Men, men do lead. I think you know, man was created first, and then and then then Eve. But actually, Eve, you know, went against the the created order and started to lead. But actually, Adam was still leading because he was irresponsible, but he led passively. And it's it's like for for dads with with kids, right? You are raising your kids. There's no, there's no sort of sitting back and going, oh, the wife will do it or whatever, or I'm not even there for your kids. You are raising your kids, whether you like it or not. You're not on the bench waiting to be, you know, subbed on to do that. You're held responsible for the way you raise your kids. So, mm. there's, there's a mate of mine who, 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 who's a bricklayer, got fed up of his, his wife having a go at him about you know coming home and, and tired out and stuff and he bought he literally bought a house brick home with him put it on a table and he says right pick that up and his wife goes she said, pick it up so he picked it up and she put it back down again he goes right do it again and then again he goes, right now do that 500 times that's what i've been doing all day long and you come and give me a brief and, and all this and and he thought that it's enough for him just to go out and then he can come back and sit back and, and everything's done for him. We, we've got an opportunity as blokes to, mm. to model the, 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 the sacrificial laying down of our lives for our wives. So, so, so when I get up and wash up or I put my clothes away or I wipe the surfaces, you know, I'm doing that, I'm, I'm modelling Jesus who laid his life down, you know, for mm. for his for his bride, you know. So so we get lots of opportunities. So. Mm, that's really helpful. And and um I don't think what you said is necessarily controversial. I think often we're always trying to fight on several fronts, depending on what you think the problem of society is, you're going to fight for yeah. that corner. If you think the problem is the suppression of women, you're going to fight for, you know, the, the equal rights of women. But, but equally, if you think, no, I, I think the problem is passive men, um, then actually I need to work out how do we, how do we solve society's ills by speaking to passive men? And I think sometimes we need situations and places where we can just, in, in a mixed gathering, but say to men, men, this is what God wants you to do without the women to hear us as saying, women, you're not important, or women, you can't do those oh, things either. You know, to say men, you need to step up and lead isn't to say, women, we don't need your leadership. It's to say our problem no. is passive masculinity and passive men uh, who are leaving yeah. their families and leaving their homes. And we're, we're in a, a time of massive social change. Never in human history have men and women coexisted in such close parts of society alongside each other in the workplace. Yeah. So it's, it's all new terrain in that sense the challenge we've got is where the different traditional spheres of yeah. male and female labors you know are, are blended a lot more we do believe in proper responsibility and men often need to be told 
God wants you to take responsibility for the people in your world and in your life. Yeah. And again, he's not there by saying, women, you're not allowed to take responsibility, but he is saying to the men, you must, because perhaps you're more inclined to abdicate your responsibility than women are. Again, mm -hmm. we recognize we're talking in broad stereotypes, oh, geez, but stereotypes yeah. are, exist for a reason, because they're generally speaking true. Sure. And so I think we come back to that question of, is there something inherently about church that is feminine rather than masculine? I think your point about for for women generally speaking again stereotyping generally speaking the the social community aspect of church is a good enough end in itself but for men there is a part of the masculine heart if you know if the sale of john eldridge's books is, speaks anything and i think it should do you know john eldridge who wrote wild at heart that there is an aspect in the masculine heart that wants a damsel to rescue wants a quest to go on uh, wants a mission to be part of yeah i guess my question tom is um what is it then or what can we do to help men get caught up in the mission of Jesus, like you yeah. said, for their estate, for their family, for their workplace, yeah. that doesn't turn them into just ad salesmen who are trying to peddle a product, which is the danger of some of our evangelistic speak. Let's can make converts, which can sound like convince people of this product called Christ. Yeah. And whereas when you talk about being on mission with Jesus, it, it, it sounds very attractive, very real. And it sounds like you and Jesus get up to some incredible exploits together. I've said a lot. Let me hear some of your thoughts on all of that. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I, so, so I'll go around my friends uh, to watch football or watch boxing. And um, we'll come back and my wife says, oh, what, what did you talk about? It's like, do you mean what do we talk about you know that is we watch the football we watch boxing you know that that, that was it um and and guys um they do better shoulder to shoulder when they're, they're doing stuff together so creating opportunities when you when, for discipling guys creating opportunities for them to be shoulder to shoulder like so that's you know at least going for a walk or or you know painting a wall together or so 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 my one of my first acquisitions for the church office when we set up the church um, was a dartboard, and and it's uh, I've never worked in an office before anyway, so it's all new to me. I knew you had to get them clicky balls, so I got the clicky balls. <laughs> that was a that was the very first thing I bought. Uh, but then I, we bought uh, we bought a, a dartboard, and and that became a tool in the church office for discipling guys, because it was. And, and so we would, we would meet together on a Wednesday or whenever it was, and a group of the, the fellas, new converts, you know, generally speaking, and we would come in and we would play darts and we would, uh, you know, go through the first chapter of Matthew or something. And then and then we'd go through and we chat it through. A lot of banter, a lot of laughs. You know, I think that there's... Uh, when you look at the way Jesus... When he, when he did preach, a lot of it was stories. It, it, it was, you know, parables and... and and, and, and I know, I mean, it gets lost in translation a bit, but there must have been humour. There must have been, you know, like banter. And, mm. you know, I remember Mark Driscoll saying, you know, you, like, you're talking to 12 guys walking around the street. You, you're sure not, there's definitely been one point or another where, where someone's gone, pull my finger. You know what I mean? <laughs> there's this kind of, this, this, this must be that kind of banter with, with, with guys and stuff. And, and to create a, a space, so, so we got a beer fridge, we got a dartboard and and then we, we went through um, the Bible. 
uh, in, in in that sense, just chatting it through. You know, what did you make of it? What 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 don't you understand? Chatting and and, and shared experience in the room. We've also tried. Um, I'm, I'm saying we have because we're just coming out of lockdown. And yeah, yeah. Can I jump in like there? Because I think uh, something that comes to mind is just: Do you find there are different parts of the Bible that people respond to better? Say, for example, like I got saved in university where we love the Book of Romans because it was, you know, it was a, a presuppositional book where you could kind of dig into the the legal language of the Apostle Paul. And, I'm, and whereas I know other people are like, oh, I don't really like Romans, but the Psalms, oh, the Psalms speak to me. Like, do you find similar, um, you know, reaching working class men, there's different there's parts mm-hmm. of the Bible you think, I wouldn't necessarily go there. I might take them to Revelation because that's a bit weird. <laughs> I don't know. Anything, yes. yeah, what do you think about that? Uh, I, I think, it, again, it depends on, on where they've started from, you know, like uh, that and the direction sure, yeah. and how far along that road there, there is. But often you can't go far wrong by just looking at Jesus in, in the Gospels, if I'm honest. Um, and, and you suss out who he is and you demystify some of the nonsense around mm-hmm. and, and the onto a winner anyway. And, and then when you, when you realise that, that this man fearlessly tipped tables in, in, you know, in one sentence and then graciously hugged a leper in the other, you know, or lifted a woman caught in adultery, then then you you suss out who he is, and then then you want to hear about Romans about grace because you've seen it modelled in this guy, you know. Um, and, and and I guess the the stories are just just person, and, and this is this is I don't know generally, but personally, I like the stories, so I like I like the history books. I like you know in terms of I like you know Genesis and Exodus and and mm. uh, and and. and you know Samuel and Kings and all that. I love those kind of narrative books. I think I, I kind of so so when we we're just starting a series preaching um, this coming Sunday, looking at the life of Elijah and just sort of uh, I, I much prefer going through a character and then revealing Jesus through this character rather than. Uh, Paul's letters and stuff like that. Oh, man, I struggle with that. I can do it, and I've, I've disciplined myself to to do it. But I find it a lot harder uh, to to come that way round rather than just pointing to the cross or looking at the gospels. Um, yeah, that's really uh, helpful. It's, yeah, it's just yeah. Jesus. It's just it's just wherever you are in the Bible that you don't get caught up with the 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 doctrines and lose sight of the one that the doctrines are pointing to anyway. Mm. You now you, you suss out Jesus and then mm. that's, that's, that's your, that all of it's for him to him anyway. And it? so it's, it's like get to Jesus as quickly as possible. Mm. That's really beautiful. Yeah. That's and, really beautiful. and actually one of the, sorry, just to also one of the things I have noticed that's relevant to this with working class people is, often they're more open to the supernatural. So more open to being, if you can lay your hands on them, go for it. Because- You have to ask them first. <laughs> yeah, 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 you carefully. Start putting your hands on people. Yeah, on them. yeah. yeah while but, you're in the bus queue. Yeah, but there, there's, because uh, they haven't gone to university and learned how to be cynical. You know, that there's this uh, sort of, yeah, you know, yeah. this opportunity that like a, a, a fresh page, mm. you know, they don't, don't 
critique everything or, or, or re-quote something at you as often as you would with someone. I remember you saying before that you often felt that your, your ministry is you against YouTube as people see weird things on YouTube and go, yeah, mate, what do you think of this? Yes, that's true. <laughs> that's so true. But, but, but that that's really, I, I feel like I'm a translator, right? That that's and, and I think in, in, in churches that are really serious about reaching out to different communities, and, and, you know, going, going back to the beginning in, in terms of if you feel that you're comfortable in this culture, then that is the culture and you're not going to be able to reach out to, to working class people without help. You know, so there's, there's a humility to, to know that you need them. Your church will be like weaker without that and, and to genuinely be convinced by that. And, and the humility to learn from life experience and, and uh, straight talking. Um, but, but there's the, uh, sorry, I've completely lost track there. I'll, I'll come back to that because it was a good point and all. I had a good, what was the question again? <laughs> it was about you versus YouTube, wasn't it? Like, you, me versus YouTube. Um, yeah, can't remember. <laughs> But I think you're right. There's a I love that phrase about um they haven't gone to university and learned to be cynical. And I think it kind of yeah. comes back to that um that cultural elitism that we pick up from maybe from celebrities or from the media, from news reporters. They seem to kind of present the world as one thing. Whereas for the majority of human history, the majority, even as you said, people who don't vote read the sun and the mail, the majority of probably people in the planet, there are a lot more just concrete what's called concrete relational intuitive down to earth rather than that fancy that word presuppositional um about all oh, arguments and intellectualize and even trying to present a nice veneer on things no it's about the salt of the earth trying to survive trying to get through life and that means that you've got to be as honest as you can with the people you meet around you and trying to strip yourselves of pretense and i think there's a real need for the church to hear a lot of what you're saying i love your phrase i'm a translator i think that's a beautiful description of perhaps whatever Every Christian, every pastor ought to be. I'm a translator. Depending on who I'm talking to, I've got to learn the language that they need me to translate. Whatever. That's, that's the bit I was going to say, Jesse. You reminded me because because it, it is. I I will. I'll, I'll listen to Tim Keller, right? But I'll be honest with you. I often have to listen to him two or three times before I understand what he's saying, and then I translate what I've learned from him to to my people, mm. you know, or. You, you know, uh, Phil Moore or someone, or, or you know, just kind of uh, Andrew Wilson or something. I listen to him and I, and, I, and I think I get it, and then I'll keep listening to it till I've got it, and then I'm translating. And and I, and I think within the church, if you if you're serious about reaching out to to the the salt of the earth types, that these are the ones that that are reached in times of revival. You know, it's not it's not just the, the 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 middle classes that are affected. It's 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 you know you you think of you know Welsh revival or something. You you imagine those those earthy blokes singing their songs of praise down the mines. You know, like a, because the spirit of God came on earthy people. And and I think if we want to see society change, we we can put a lot of energy into uh, conferences for. The movers and shakers and the media types and the you know politicians and 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 rightly so but there were so many unnamed people that jesus met with that they were sort of almost incidental they weren't the the the, the great 
leaders in society. They, but but when you get that, politicians and stuff, they just stick their finger out the window to see which way the wind's blowing. And the wind is blowing from some council estate in East London where some bloke is saying bluntly what he really believes. You know what I mean? And and, and it's it's this kind of fearlessness to, uh, yeah, for, for, for that really. Tom, I just want to come back to something you said earlier and kind of get your comment on that. When you were talking about immigration and the the way that that affects the working classes more than, say, the middle classes and a, a, someone who's a teacher versus someone who is a builder. And I was thinking about this whole concept of white privilege. And yet, from what you were saying, it's not a fair label a lot of the time. It's actually more class privilege than white privilege. You know what I'm saying? It, it, it's absolutely true. It's, 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 it's harder for a, for a working class white man to recognise white privilege because... Jeez, I've been stopped by the police loads of times, not for, for any other reason other than the fact that I look dodgy, right? And and uh, and I'm okay with that. And I recognise that some people perceive that I am dodgy by the way that I look, and that is different to actually just being black. And I, I've kind of I've had, to, but it, it was hard. It's it is harder for me, I would say, to learn that white privilege thing than because I don't readily recognise it. But again, it's humility, isn't it? It's humility of sort of talking to my black mates and saying, listen, I've been, I bet I've been in a police car more than you have, you know what I mean? Um, but the, the recognition that it, that it, is, it is different, but, mm. but, but yeah, it's, it's, it's a massive, it's a massive deal. Mm. And, and, it, and it's obviously where we are is very mixed as well. So that's been something we're, we're having to handle carefully and you know with humility again really just humility with L plates on and yeah I think there's the need isn't there for people to listen more to another's experience rather than um yeah. Yeah, rather than presume they know or presume they've got an opinion on it I think we're living in a society where you know everyone you're supposed to have an opinion on everything but to actually say oh, I don't know I'm not I'm not black I don't know what it's like I'm not a woman I don't know what it's like I'm not white working class I don't know what it's like sure. um and actually there's also the, the problem that we more and more we group people and we say black people are like this, white people are like this. You think, well, no, they're not. Like Tom's like that, Owen's like that. You know, someone else is like that. Someone... And that's something I've kind of been talking about with some friends recently. That I don't think the Lord sees us as groups. He sees us as by our name, and he he knows what Tom's experienced and what Jez has experienced. He doesn't just say, "Oh, Tom's a white working class, so he's probably experienced this." You know, and kind of assume you don't need to get to know Tom because I know his story from the headlines. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> I mean, every tree has got a Every leaf on every tree is different. You know, every eyeball, every every DNA strand is, you know, every thumbprint is different, you know. Mm. God, God is creative, isn't he? And he, he, he don't just churn out sausages that all look the same. There's this kind of sense of, uh, of everyone different. And, and I get the opportunity to reveal something of Jesus that no one else in creation can. And, and same for you. you. You know, when the light of Jesus shines for you, it reflects something utterly unique that is is beautiful and and uh, you know and and yeah so so we, we we keep lumping people together and it's helpful for communication purposes but it's all nuanced and and, and different in it yeah i guess it comes back to our challenge that it's equally hard to say men are like this and women are like that <laughs> yeah and yet and yet the language is 
is helpful to reach for in conversations like this to say, yeah, as a man, I do identify with some of those stereotypes. I think sure. there are ways that having testosterone shapes the way you see the world and experience the world in a way that it doesn't if you're a woman and don't have those levels of testosterone. And that, that, that's not saying better or worse. It's just saying, I do have a different experience and therefore men are going to be more prone to more sins than women or different sins to women. Sure. And that's that's partly physiology, partly biology, um, and partly, like you say, is our fallen nature we've inherited from Adam that's more inclined to abdicate often or to dominate. We abdicate or dominate, and we think we've got to learn to be like Christ, who was fully grace and fully truth whenever he needed to be. Mm -hmm. um, Tom, um, we I think our time's kind of coming to an end, but is there anything else that's in your heart and mind? Uh, I, I guess encouraging leadership from different backgrounds within your church deliberately. And, 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 and don't, write, don't write people off. Use biblical uh, qualifications for leadership, not, not cultural. And just being comfortable in your own skin. You, you have not got to, you know, it's not all of a sudden you've got to go blinky, blimey, lover duck. You know, it's, it's just you just be who God has created you to be be absolutely secure in who god's made you to be and you will cross cultures and relate to people far better than than you know you haven't got to be someone that you're not jesus related to tax collectors and whores you know but he was completely secure in who, who he he was well, I hope you enjoyed that. I find Tom's challenge to the church, challenge to men, really needs to be heard, really needs to be engaged with. Well, thanks for being with us for today's episode. And I look forward to being with you all again soon in a couple of weeks time. God bless, stay well and keep pursuing Jesus with everything you've got. Goodbye.